This is the SCT Show. Here's Pedersen. Slows. Across. Hornet scores! Honcho, let's go! Here are your hosts, Tanbir Rana. Nope, GM fucking bat 1000. It's not, it's never, it's not possible. You can't bat 1000. And Nam Man. Jim's like literally like probably struggling. Like, what, what is this? Nobody told me that there's math involved in this job. <laughs> Season 2. What is up? Welcome to Season 2, Episode number 4 of the SCT Show. No Nam Man, it is Raja Shurgil filling in for Nam alongside Tanbir Rana. Episode 4, SCT Show, brought to you by TMT Auto, located on the Langley Bypass. Go see our boy, Harjo Grewal. Amazing selection, and they get everyone approved, Tanbir, including you. Yeah, I know, he hooked me up, like I've said many times on the podcast before. You know, um, he's a great, you know, great salesman, so... Definitely uh, go see him at Langley, at the Langley Bypass, uh, TMT Auto. Make sure uh, to tell them the SET show sent you. So the Vancouver Canucks, we talked about it being a tough November. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's been a tough November. They fall to the Colorado Avalanche in their latest loss. They at least looked pretty good in that game. Yeah, I thought they, I was at the game, so it was a fun game for sure. Every game I've gone to, man, like in, since last year, so much fun. You're yeah. in the arena sometimes. You yeah. know how how energetic the crowd gets sometimes. These guys bring you out of your seats. And if you haven't gone to a game this year, I'm not. I'm not getting paid by the Canucks. I'm being honest. Like I've gone. Like you go. You the the games. The last two years are so much better than the games when Willie D was coaching the team and you know Linden era. I guess. Well, besides just on the ice, like <coughs> even their um, the pregame amp up videos and all that. I don't like that stuff. zombie one, man. Uh, I don't. I, I, I maybe not that particular one, but in just in general, yeah, what they, they, they do, have done a way better. They've done job, a very yeah. better job of trying to pump the crowd up, mm-hmm, right? Have. And I think that all of that stuff is showing. Yeah. And you know, Rogers Arena is when the Canucks are rolling. It's a great arena to be in. It's it's, oh, a, yeah. it's awesome vibe in there, mm-hmm. and it's not really a library, but yeah. we're we're used to it sort of being a library. But it's, it's not when the Canucks are doing good. And we saw that last year as well with like the Avalanche game last year, Tampa Bay game. But this year we're seeing it more and more because the Canucks are actually a fun team to watch. They're so fun to watch. And the guy, the in-arena host, he does a great job. The new guy, I don't know his name, but he's actually really good at... Crazy something. Yeah, he's really good at his job. And... Uh, I don't, the, the zombie video, man. I'm, I, I got some... I used to make YouTube videos, so this is why I'm a, I'm a bit uh, of a critic. But I don't know. I just don't like it. I, I was thinking back to the 2011, 2012 days and where they had those hype videos. Like, this is what we live for. Right, yeah. And that shit got me hyped. Like, the music was perfect. You know, they had highlights of great video work highlights of the games they played like i don't want to see them go up against zombies fuck that <laughs> shit man like i wasn't a fan of that like i like the first time you see it, okay it's pretty cool it's different yeah and then you see it every fucking time it's i don't like it I'm not i think they, they took a page from like the golden knights book and stuff and that's, trying to that's so but that's, cheesy, that's like ju- the golden knights are the whole reason why there's even this like entertainment movement around the nhl i love the work they're doing in the like during the game the in-game host is great yeah. you know they they have people standing up, you know, cheering, you know, like pretty much. Yeah, I it's like a, what it's they loud do there. In there. I'm not going to complain about that. They've been great. Yeah, it's loud in there. Um, So that game in general, they were down 4-2 at yeah. one point. Um, and then it becomes 4-3. The Canucks evidently tie it up. We'll talk about the Matt Calvert thing mm-hmm. in a little bit. But I just want to talk about that game in general. Kale McCarr, Nathan McKinnon just took oh. over that game. 
man, watching those guys play was a treat. Man, I, I, this is the second Colorado game I've gone to. The last year was a seven-six game. That was the best yeah. game of the year last year. Yeah, in the league, I think. I think that was the best game in the league. And last night uh, on Saturday was a great game. And funny story, I was uh, we we're at the game and they were down four-two, and there's like well, four minutes left, and I'm starting to get rattled. Like I was pissed because like you know we needed to at least get a point tonight like you know like i want to get the win because going on that six game road trip that's coming up now is going to be huge and i was rattled so there was a couple guys in front of me they were uh colorado avalanche fans and uh every time colorado scored man they sell it so hard like it just you know got me more angry and 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 rattled so then it was four minutes left in the game and i'm just like fuck it they're probably gonna lose this game i i stayed to the end because i wanted to see what would happen and good thing i did and uh it was like four minutes left still four two and then the guy i noticed the guy was wearing a duchene jersey so then i started yelling because he was like two throw two three rows ahead of me i was fucking hammered i was like i don't give a fuck i'm just i'm just pissed off so i'm just gonna show my frustration out a little bit and uh, i was like yo duchene's not on the team bud duchene's not on the team bud get a new jersey right and you could just tell like this guy was getting pissed off right and the canucks came back and he got even more rattled so and then when they won he he turned around and he fucking started selling celebrating in our faces so yeah. again it was a fun game and uh, i overall i thought the game was pretty good like i thought that yeah if they lost the game i'd definitely be more angry about it like you, you would uh, see the frustration in my yeah. face but since they got a point and they came back and showed heart and showed resiliency i was sort of happy about the game but the homestand in general not good it wasn't good but like i think that the team i don't think that the game in general was very good i think that because they came back they it seems like it was better than it was like that's it's still pretty concerning to me but when a team puts up four goals you're not going to sit there and complain however like i demko demko is where but listen i'm not going to sit there and say that this is this is like we shouldn't trust in dr demko any more than we did in the beginning of the season right it's just it happens every goalie doesn't have great games all the time it was that cadre goal that was a stinker the and that, was, that was, was the one yeah. yeah and he i thought he was he deserved that start first off like, yeah i, I thought so he was too. playing well and you know he's a young goalie he's gonna learn from it and uh, he you could tell he was uh sort of flustered from his play like he said if he could could have made a couple more saves they probably would have won the game and stuff like that but uh overall like you know i love the kid's character man like he is he just seems so much more mentally better than markstrom when markstrom was in at, at demko's age you could just tell the potential that demko has like you could see markstrom show frustration while demko he's never he's even keel like brock besser and and elias Pettersson and like quinn hughes all those guys are just even keel and that's a good makeup of a, a professional athlete i think demko is going to be good i think demko is going to be good too yeah and it's going to be interesting to see like we can get into this a little bit later on but just like the the uh contract situation with mm-hmm. Jacob Markstrom how that's going to play out and how they're going to you know sort of react to this yeah. goalie controversy if you yeah. want to call that but it's not really a controversy now it's probably more of a controversy in the summer and closer to when the Seattle mm-hmm. thing starts happening and you have to try to make decisions um but Adam Gaudet was the biggest story I think for that oh, yeah. for the Canucks in that game he, he scores two goals playing on a line with players that you know there I are, like that line though I was um you talk about the line, but Levo and Berchi, I was watching watching the game. And I told my cousin, I'm like, yo, these guys have chemistry because I remember playing. They were playing in the preseason too, yeah. And they had a lot of chemistry in the preseason, 
So seeing it again makes you wonder, you know? Well, I, I really liked Berchi's game. Well, I really liked Levo's game mm-hmm. in particular. I thought Berchi was good. I thought Adam got that was great. The mm-hmm. question for me with that line is, can they be defensively responsible while still producing offense? That, yeah, that's offensive the, numbers, right? Levo's a really good defensive player. The other two. Yeah, and so Gaudet, and that's the, that's the, that's the concern with Gaudet. Yeah. Could he be a good defensive player? Because we saw what happened when beagle goes out and then brandon sutter goes out and now all of this pressure is put on bo horvat and then his game comes down it's it's not as good as it is when sutter and beagle are in the lineup because there's less and less uh or there's more responsibility put on him and and it shouldn't be like that especially on the penalty kill one of beagle or sutter in the lineup should help god that because yeah when when you're missing both of them you don't have a defensive center like you had to put bo in that situation right if Beagle comes back, now you have Beagle as your fourth line center, and you have Gaudet as your third line. It makes a lot of sense. Like I think that's where the team should have gone into the season. I remember we did a podcast during the summer, the last podcast of the summer of season one, and we were talking about what's going to happen with Brandon Sutter. And I told I told you guys the best pot spot for Gaudet to develop is in the NHL. Like he's not going to get any better playing in the NHL. He needs to be playing in the NHL. And look what he's doing. But by that same token, though. Are the Vancouver Canucks are not the Vancouver Canucks are no longer rebuilding. So when you put Adam Gaudet as your third line center to start the NHL off mm-hmm. or to start the season off, that means if he struggles, then your team is just worse but than what it is. You want to? I'll give you an example. A team like Tampa Bay put Anthony Sorelli in that spot, and they were the best team in the league. You could go if you have players like Horvat, Pedersen, Besser, and all those guys that could score goals in the top six. And you, you could even give the option of having JT Miller play on Gaudet's line, but obviously. The, the first line's already so good. I just think that Gaudet is ready. He's he's not a young player anymore, no, man. He's, he's not young. Yeah. He's twenty three. Like you gotta start looking, you know, you guys think think realistically. I think he's better off in the NHL and it's showing too. I think so too. I think that he has solidified himself as as an NHL player. The yeah. question is though, is he an NHL center? Mm-hmm. And that's a different that's a different uh, He'll get better at conversation. It, yeah, that's he's gonna I mean. get better at it, no the doubt. The only way he improved and Bo Horvat said it when in his rookie year is the reason he improved was because he was playing in the NHL and he just got better from there on out. Yeah. And you could you could say the same thing about him, Godet. He's only gonna get better the more he plays there. If you don't start seeing progression that's when you start to worry but you are seeing it now but it's, it is still only 11 games but you are seeing that he could progress into a good third line center one day and even with the josh levo line like i'm not a big fan of sven berchi i do like josh levo but i think when we first acquired josh levo and they acquired tanner pearson these were players that were hopeful to be in the top six but you they were always better off as bottom six players mm-hmm. and so if a line in the future like Adam Gaudet, Tanner Pearson, Josh Levo works. Like, that's a line that gives you good defensive players in terms of Tanner Pearson and Josh Levo. Pearson obviously plays on the PK as well. Um, and they have potential to give you 15, 20 goals uh, as well. So I think that's a potential good line for the Vancouver Canucks going forward. I think. But I don't yeah. know if Josh Levo is going to be on the team next I, year. I think one of Berchi or Levo are going to be gone before the end of the year. I can see them. I can see a scenario because, where they're both gone. Yeah, no, yeah, because you have to move bodies out because it's not just Adam Gadet's uh, approaching the point where if he plays eight more games, which he probably will play, yes, he will. that he will be waiver exempt. So he will be able to be sent down to the AHL. Oh, he can't. He can't be sent down the HF. Right, somebody yeah. else will claim him. So now you're looking at a situation where the Canucks have to make a decision here because not just that. You got Michael Furland that's gonna eventually come back. I, hopefully, he comes back. He, apparently, he's skating on his own, so that's a good sign. 
um Anto Rosell's almost like he's already skating with the team here yeah we thought he was going to be like december but he's coming pretty much he'll be here by the end of november it looks like he'll or maybe be the early very, december very soon yeah early december and then you have uh you know berchi who's been playing pretty good i think you know i think erickson's gonna get sent down right and you gotta make a decision i think one of leave or berchi could be gone pretty pretty soon I'm well the question that. is like first of all for what and second of all note it's like again it it's not early, but it's early in the sense that no team is giving up on their season yet. Yeah. And so if the Canucks get to, say, January, February, and they realize that um, you know, we might be better off with the draft pick, then I can see a situation where they get rid of Josh Levo for a draft pick. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh Levo is a player that could get you a draft pick, yeah, like a fourth-round pick. or the, like a, you know. The other situation I see where they might do this is they, we know they got to move bodies out, so could they move out two players to get back one? That means they move out of contract and they bring back a player that can play in that mm-hmm. second line spot. Hopefully, it's not going to be somebody who's a solidified 25-30 goal scorer. Mm-hmm. It depends on who you get, give back, but based on the players that we're talking about, mm-hmm. it's not going to be. Um, but it depends. Like, What can Josh Levo bring you? I think people were talking about him scoring 15-20 goals. He can. I, I don't necessarily know if he can do that. He doesn't have that many goals, but he has a lot of assists this year. It looks yeah. like. So I mean, I think his best goals weapon is offense. Though. The goals will come, though. Yeah. And yeah. I don't see him as... I see him as a, a really, really good third-line player. Yeah, exactly. And so I would want to keep him, dare I say, over Sven Berchi? I think so. Yeah. Did you hear about the Montreal Canadian scouts be, and Vancouver scouts being at each other's games? Yeah. So that's interesting to see. Well, now that Jonathan Drouin is over eight weeks. Yeah. So does Montreal need another forward? Do they need a defenseman? I think that there's two guys out. There's a Byr- Byron's out too. Yeah, Paul Byron's out. So, so do they need to now they're looking at a situation where they, if they want to make the playoffs, you got maybe they take a flyer on a Levo or a Berchi, and yeah. and they're not they're not scared to take a smaller player. And Berchi is one of those guys that are a bit smaller. But like, and that's the type of that's the type of like we talk about Jim Benning doing a lot of trades that are by low trades. That would be the type of trade that Mark Bergevin would make. They got four, four round, fourth round picks. Yeah. So if you get one of them, they might be willing to give up for for a, a Sven Berchi or or like a Josh Levo, right? right. And one guy's, uh, I don't think they will move, but teams are probably calling on his Jake. Like there are teams calling on him. I, the reason why I think that they are more likely to move Jake is because I believe that around the NHL, the the trade value for Jake is higher, higher than both Levo. those guys. Yeah, way the, higher. Like so, that's why they yeah. might be much more willing to 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 keep Josh Levo, who I think is a similar player to Jake for ten, um, and just get an extra asset for Jake. I agree. I think that they're and all those yeah. guys, Roussel. Uh, Levo, um, Pierce, Pearson, Berti, they're all guys that are going to get you 30 and their ceiling is like 45 points. Like they're not going to get more than 40 to 45, but they're not, but they're guys that could get you 25 to 30 points. Like they're guys that could just go in and out of the top six to bottom six. Like, you know, that's pretty much what Jake is. The thing is with Jake is he's younger than those guys. Like he's a younger player. People might, uh, but, teams might look at it like, oh, you know what? He's younger. Maybe he's got more to give. Maybe you and know. That's why that yeah. a trade for Jake makes more sense to me than I think trading Jake Josh could Levo. get you a second round pick. I think, yeah, yeah I, I think could he could see that. Yeah, I, I can see a situation. It'd where be he a does. good team though. A good team giving you a second. So it'd be like a late second round pick. Like a bad team not going to give you a second for Jake, right? Right. I yeah. think a team like Buffalo might be willing to part with because they're they're looking for a guy well, like, like Jake. Well, you could think about like what Eric Branson's value was. Yeah. Like it was Tanner Pearson, but Tanner Pearson was flipped earlier for like Carl Hagelin yeah. and a third. Yeah. So essentially it was a third. The thing is, I think the team would be making a mistake giving up on Jake. I know he is the best asset they have in their 
guys that they don't want to trade. Um, it's just that he brings speed to the lineup, man. Like everybody else on this team is, aren't the greatest skaters. Like even Adam Gaudet, as much as I love him, he's not the fastest skater. Josh Level is not the fastest skater. Sven Berchi, not that fast. Tanner Pearson, not that fast. Like Michael Furlan, not that fast. Like you need guys that can skate. And Jake brings that. So I just don't see them moving him. Like, I know you're saying that he's more likely to get moved. I just don't see them moving him because of that speed factor. But I, I, I you know what? I think that the Canucks think they have speed. Like, I don't, I don't think they can. I, I, don't, I don't know if they do, but I think that they think they do. Like, I think that Josh Lee was a fairly good skater. I think we all agree that Jake Vertanen is the best skater probably on the team. Out of those guys. Right? Bro, you can make the argument Hughes on the team, too. Like, Quinn best. Hughes and Elias Pettersson. Of uh, course, those guys. But Jake's uh, probably right up there with them, especially in considering yeah. speed. Straight line speed. Straight yeah. line speed, yeah. right? Um, but um, in terms of, like, just a, just well-rounded players overall i think josh levo and him are fairly similar mm-hmm. so the team is probably more likely to rather trade jake for yeah, like and what nathan mckinnon did sorry, sorry to interrupt you but like what nathan mckinnon did like with his speed in three on three like you look at jake i'm not saying jake's mckinnon but the way he skates they're fast and they're big boys and they're powerful skaters right the thing is obviously mckinnon is just a way more better player but yeah. you want that you want to see that out of jake though you know like a sixth overall pick you want to see him be able to carry the puck like mckinnon and shoot it and rip it and score but you just don't see it as much and that's why there's a there's a question mark there like can you do that and you have to ask yourself like what is jake vertanen and josh levo's most valuable asset i think like for for vertanen it's a speed it's a speed but it's like w- within that speed category it's like his transition game he's really yeah. got to get in the puck out of his own zone and into the offensive zone yeah. but it's when his when he's in the offensive zone and when he has the puck on his stick uh, that's when he struggles and, and levo's better at that and levo's better yeah. at creating plays yeah. finding the open man and that's where i think jo- uh, jake vertanen struggles the most for me it's like mm. his offensive instincts they aren't that great. Mm. It's on a two-on-one. It's he's always trying to shoot first. I'm not saying that mm-hmm. necessarily in a bad way or a good way, but yeah. it's like it's he doesn't he seem to but know anything one else has, to do. One has two goals, other has six. Yes. So just saying. So one has been is is better at creating garbage goals and going to the net, and that's a good thing. Yeah. Right. And that's the type of. Jake's had a couple of goals in front of the net this year. Exactly. Yeah. Tip in this year. He's getting better, man. Like he's not making improvements, but like Elias Pettersson level. No, I think. But he's making slow improvements. You have to understand what Jake Vertanen is. He is what he is at this point. He's probably a third line player. Don't you think he's gotten a little bit better than last year already? I think he's gotten better, but like, I think at best he's a third line player. Perhaps last week. 10% 10% more patient. I think I I think I see it. I think at best he's a third line player. Yeah. But within that third line player mold, he could get become yeah. a better third line yeah, player. Exactly. I don't necessarily know if he's going to become a an, an elite third line player or if he's going to become even a second line player. Yeah. Uh the SCT show, Roger Shergill filling in for Naman, Tanbirana alongside me, uh, brought to you by TMT Auto, located on the Langley Bypass. Go see Harjot Gurewal. Uh Oliu Levy. More yeah. bad news on that front. Uh, is this? Are, are we even going to be seeing Ole Olevi ever wear a Canucks jersey? Man, we saw him in the preseason. Doesn't count, obviously. But no. Um, again, it sucks for him. And as much as I want the kid to, you know, overcome it, it's definitely terrible news. Especially when a team says they're gonna bring him over to Vancouver and check on him. Like that's just screams bad news. That just screams long term. 
you know like there's something wrong and it's gonna be long term again and uh it's either gonna be season ending or it's gonna be like a four to three to four months kind of you know wait for him so he's already losing so much development time there um i don't blame him for the pick actually i do blame him for the pick because fuck matthew tuchuk's a hell of a fucking hockey player um it's just that you can't predict injuries and if this saw a player in your levy where they thought he could be a top pairing guy when they drafted yeah. him and they thought that he was going to be that kind of player that's where you're just like you know what you know, we, well, were, we we didn't have defensemen at that time either, right? So, and, and here's what I want to make clear to a lot of people who I think are unfair to Ole Olivier or yeah. that are unfair to the Canucks. We all agree that it was a bad pick and they should have taken Kachuk. Yeah, terrible. It was a bad pick. Yeah, though. it was a terrible pick. We all that agree whole on that. draft. It was yeah the for the Canucks. Y- it was terrible that whole year. Yeah, I was talking to uh, Ryan about this before we started the pod. I was like, Yo, that's the same year we traded for Gabranson and traded McCann. Right. Yeah. That's the same year we traded that pick that could have been Alex DeBrincat. Right. Like and look at the draft, only your levy and nobody else. Nobody else has panned out either. No, and the worst draft in the history of the Canucks. The worst year. It might be the worst year in the history of the Canucks organization in terms of transactions. Yeah, legit. Um, but anyways, like they are. It's uh, you you can hate on the draft pick all you want, but mm-hmm. Oliu Levy wasn't a reach. He it wasn't. Was, no. It wasn't a player no. that you you know was supposed to go outside the top five and you or outside the top ten and you reached on him because you needed a defenseman. He's obviously not the best defenseman even in the draft, but he was known by scouts as to be one of the best defensemen at that time to be in the draft. And mm-hmm. you took the best defenseman at the draft based on scouts. Obviously, it didn't work out that way in the NHL, but you can't trash the pick or you can't trash the defenseman at that time. After this, we realize it's a bad pick. And we should have taken Kachuk. I think everybody knew that they wanted Kachuk at the time, but in terms of what they needed, and you should never draft by best player by by need. Mm-hmm. They they took uh, what they thought was going to be a very serviceable defenseman, yeah. and it uh, seems like he's not even going to go, not even going to play a game. I thought it was Kachuk for sure, because like I was. Well, like, he said London Knights. Not just that, like I just had a feeling they were going to take Kachuk because he was the best player. Like I thought, like doing the draft projections and stuff. Yeah. You just had a feeling that he was going to be there. And the draft rankings and stuff had him being around there too. I was like, you can't pass up on a guy like him, man. He was elite, man. Yeah, and he was elite. It just sucks, but you know, you um, know, like when you when you think about them passing up on Pasternak, that's fine because it was late in the draft. But we had we McCann. had that McCann pick though, still, and McCann's a good player. McCann's a good player. Like but if you pasta, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. But you, like if, if McCann was on the Canucks right now, you're not going to beat yourself up no. overtaking McCann over Pasternak because yeah. he's still got a very good NHL player. Mm-hmm. You know, Agreed. mistakes happen. Yeah. But at number five, overall, it stings more, especially when the pick right after at number six, the guy that everybody wanted gets taken and yeah. then he becomes a star in Calgary. Like, nobody really knew about how good Pasto was going to be. When, yeah. When, like, like, it was, you weren't maybe even it was a, maybe a Maybe a computer boy out there that maybe didn't know. <laughs> but uh, I don't, I, I didn't know, I didn't know anything about David Pasternak. I think most people, that. like, praise the Canucks for this Jared McCann yeah, 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 for sure. And then they ended up dealing him, which say what you want about the trade, but it was a player that mm-hmm. they other teams obviously targeted, right? But, the Florida Panthers. You know, Yulevi hasn't is probably not gonna work out. Like I don't wanna you know, I'm not no, usually I'm not usually optimistic like I mean pessimistic, like na- narrative Nam. But uh I'll be honest though, like I don't think he's gonna be playing here anymore. Like I don't think he's gonna there's too many injuries and too many setbacks, and even in the AHL, he wasn't having the greatest year. He had five points in 14 games. No, you and, know, the, and and the Canucks aren't in a situation anymore to 
play him just because he's a high pick. Yeah. Whereas exactly. that that used to be the case. We're like, oh, yeah. he's a high pick. Let's make sure we get him time. And the other thing is, let's say if in a year Jim Benning gets fired, mm-hmm. then the new GM has no yeah. uh, no connection to him whatsoever. So mm-hmm. he's not. Gonna, he's just going to treat also, him as guys, any other player. There's guys that have already hopped him. Exactly. Like Rafferty. Right. Rafferty is looks a, like he's hopped him. I think Breeze Boss hopped him to be Sheffield. honest. Sheffield. Yeah, and uh, not just that. A guy in college who's been ripping it up, who I've always been a big fan of. Even when we drafted him, like I, I, like when you saw the behind the scenes mic'd up video and you heard Judd Brackett talk about this kid and how good he, he skates the puck, Jack Rathbone. Like I am so hyped about this kid, not just because you know he had 22 points in his first year in college last year, but you could just tell that uh, Jim Benning compared him to Tory Krug uh, during the summer this year. Uh, Quinn Hughes was super impressed by the way he skates with the puck and skates in general, and uh, he's got seven points in five games. So I'm he's gonna I'm gonna pump the brakes without on. without Adam Fox. By the way, I'm gonna pump the brakes on yeah. Jack Rathbone. Why? This is a player that was drafted 2017, two years yeah. ago. Yeah, and in the summer it's gonna be three years, obviously. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to be getting better. He's supposed to have a good season. I know. In college, if he... But if his he first year reg- in college was pretty good. If he regressed, then mm-hmm. that's a bad thing. His first year in college is good. Yeah. But like this year is where I'm seeing more and more hype towards um, Jack Rathbone. Yes, he's supposed to... I was to, hyped last year, man. He's supposed to be good. If, if, if he a took fourth a... fourth-round pick? In college, in the level he plays on? Yes. Last year, I think it was no, very optimistic that he had a good season. You know this year, we're seeing a lot more better things see- from him in the college level. But it's still like, yes, you're supposed to. I know, but it's odd seeing guys like in the fourth round and third round actually be good, usually for the Canucks. Like in the past, when Gillis was drafting these guys, none of these guys yeah, were putting up numbers like for this. Sure. And you look at the 2016 draft, they had nobody putting up numbers like Jack Rathbone. And, you know, like the whole draft, nobody, 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 you know. Is, is a player out of there. So it's good to see a guy like Jack Rathbone actually produce because when you see it, you start to be more confident. When we saw Adam Gaudet produce in college, we started seeing a player that could play in the NHL, right? That's what we're seeing with Jack Rathbone now. We're starting to see a player that we picked in the fourth round maybe become a player for us, and it sort of helps me get over a guy like Yulevi. You know, like, yeah, I agree. That's I think a good that, thing. I think, I think it's, I'm not trying to say it's not a good sign. I think it's a great sign. Yeah. I just think that, uh, like, I still think that he is closer or further away from the NHL now than he was when he first got drafted, meaning he's still going to be a couple of years. Yeah, and when he does ch- come up to the AHL and then eventually the NHL, it's going to be uh, a situation like Adam Gaudet is now where there's going to be growing pains and we're not going to get the best of him right away. Yeah. But this all means that in a few years, like I don't think anybody's saying the Canucks are Stanley Cup contenders now, mm-hmm. but in a few years, this could be one of those young, cheap defensemen that you get that plays a top six defensive role in your team that could potentially fill a great role for you for a cheap contract. I see what the organization is doing here. He's a left-handed shot, and you said he's going to be at least two years, and I agree. I think he's going to be at least two years, but guess what happens in two years? Alex Edler's contract runs out, right? So that's $6 million off the cap. Jordy Ben's contract also runs out. He's a left-handed shot as well. So it's yeah, not just... They're not, not replacing Rathbone with Edler, though. Or no, 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 no I know. Rathbone, but though. he is an option for them to bring up to the NHL. He's an and option. And play in the, either on the bottom pair. Yeah. Or who knows, maybe he's really good and he could play in the top, top four. Like, I really think that this kid is legit. And I'm not just saying it because yeah, of the I way mean, he plays, but he's got a story behind him too. I, and if, you, if you've heard about his story, about his uh, brother... That does that kind of stuff just drives athletes, man. It does. It drives athletes, and 
I can't wait to see what this kid could do. You know what? I agree. I, I I'm excited for him, but I just think that it is one of those guys that, like, with with Edler gone and with Jordy Ben gone and with whoever else is coming off the books, with all those players that are established NHLers gone, maybe one of them, like maybe Jordy Ben, is the guy that Rathbone could replace. But even then, that's hard to but hard to imagine. Hughes like, will be replacing Edler. But realistically, you're still yeah. going to have another defenseman that you're probably going to either trade for or sign yeah. in that time span. That's yeah. like already bonafide on a. But I think player. that Jack Rathbone is not a guy that's going to come in and go to Utica. He might play a few games in Utica, whatever. But he'll be playing more games in NHL in his first year. Than well, it, in the, in, in and, a, and it also depends on like which time of the year he comes up. He can come up in the end of the year, like how Rafferty and we saw Hughes and Besser yeah, exactly. and all these players That's, come I up. I think he'll play games in the NHL right away. We'll have an NHL. We'll have an idea but then of of what kind of player he, he has really to is. sign though. And that's the one thing that scares me is because he's a Harvard product. And usually those guys that go to Harvard play four years. So he, he will be testing out free agency. So the organization has to be careful and make sure that they can get this guy signed and give him the plan for him long term. Because if I think I think he's going to be the players that – I think he's going to be – I think he has a higher ceiling than a guy like Jet Wu. Like I think he's got more offensive capabilities. He skates the puck really well. And I think that he could actually like – be a legit NHL player one day. But, again, the organization has to be careful because you don't want to see this guy walk just like Adam Fox did for Calgary. Was it Calgary? Calgary, yeah. yeah. Um, Carolina, too. So, the Canucks are in Dallas tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow? Yeah. On Tuesday, yeah. And um, they hope, not. it won't be tomorrow, but they hope that Anton Roussel, former Dallas star, could come back fairly soon here. Mm-hmm. Is he a player... Like, he's a player that helps your third and fourth line right away. Mm-hmm. But is he a player that you see somewhat offensive hopes from as well, considering what we saw last year? I was uh, listening to Randeep and Reach talk about him today on Sportsnet 650. And uh, I love Roos. And I think that, you know, he's gonna, he's a pretty big, important piece uh, player on the team. But you got to remember, he's coming off an uh, what's it, ECL surgery. That's not easy to come back from. Not just that, his career high is 31 points. 31 points, people. Like, I okay, I get it that he has chemistry with Bo Horvat, and, like, he showed it last year, the analytics, and people were talking about it and, and stuff like that, and he had a, he, could, he could make plays, and I, I love that about Roos, but he's not a top six forward. Like, he could maybe go, he could be, like, Vertanen, Pearson, Levo, and Berti, where they swap here and there every every few games, just when, because Horvat's not going to have a stable winger, it looks like, this year either. Um it's, he's going to be one of those guys. I don't think he's a long-term fit there, but I could see him have a few good games on that second line and be good. But I just don't think that, uh, um, you know, he's a uh, he's a guy that he's a long-term option for uh, for uh, the Canucks on, in the top six. Yeah. I, so I just want to say that if Antoine Roussel's career high was thirty-one points, Sven Berchi's is thirty-five. Yeah. So the the problem with Sven Berchi though. Is that um, is that he needs to? Is that he's had a lot of injury issues, and um, or do we trust in the process that Sven Berchi is going to come back and be an everyday top six forward? I don't think so. I think those days are gone. Could injury, he still be a serviceable top nine forward? Yeah, I think so. But I would rather though. have. Who would you rather have though, Antoine Roussel or Sven Berchi? You 
Antoine Roussel every day. Yeah, but the thing is, that injury that Roussel suffered is not going to be easy to come back from. I know that he's skating already and he's showing signs of progress, but until he starts playing games and showing me as a fan that he's able to play, because that, that shit's not easy to come back from, and I think he will be able to. I'm not betting against Roussel here. Yeah. I'm just saying, we got to ease him in. It's going to take a while for him to get used to it, and yeah, we should be careful to judge. Putting him in the top six right away, I don't think it's a smart idea. I think he well, should be starting off in the bottom six. Especially for a player that's game is, is built so much on speed. Exactly. Right? Like, he, he literally drives through his speed. Yeah. I see the way Gaudet plays. But it rubs off on the r- r- way Roussel plays. Be, rubs yeah, off on th- Gaudet. That I think, like, Adam Gaudet and Antoine yeah, Roussel would be a great, yeah. great duo together on the third yeah. line. But I do think that when Antoine Roussel comes back, he's got a second line spot penciled in. For mm-hmm. at least a game or two, and we no, know. No, I don't think great. so. I, I, uh, no, he's not gonna. I think so. I'm the not saying that's what I want, but I'm saying no. that's what I think that the Canucks might. Do you do. know why though? They're gonna ease him in. They can't just start playing him in the top six and expect him to put up points. They have to ease him in into the lineup. He's not gonna be able to play fucking sixteen to seventeen minutes a night either, right? He's he still needs to get his conditioning up to date too, right? So they're gonna ease him in, and if the second line still is not going the way. That it hasn't been going like it's been yeah. pretty bad. But that's the reason why I say they might put him in to try and give that second line a yeah, spark. True, right? That's that's literally the reason. Um, SCT show Roger Shergill, Tanby Arana, brought to you by TMT Auto. Um, do they make a trade for a second line winger? At some uh, point, this I year? don't want them new. I don't want them to move assets like you know young assets. Uh, yeah, I don't want them to trade. A, I don't want them to trade a pick or a prospect. I see it has to be a hockey trade. And the guy that I see is like Troy Stetcher. If they're, if yeah. they're going to move him out, they got to resign him next year. Mm-hmm. They'll hope to get somebody back that's, that's got term left on their deal. The thing is, you're not going to get necessarily a top six bonafide winger for him. You got to hope that Rafferty's legit, though. If you're making yeah, well, you have Stetcher, to re- You have to yeah. replace him yeah. right if, away. If you're hoping that, if you're trading Troy Stetcher, you got to make sure that. Rafferty is legit, and like, Troy Stetcher is not going to get you a top six forward, though. No, he's not. That's the thing. Yeah. So what's the value for Troy Stetcher? That's a good question. Um, I think the value for Troy Stetcher is probably a guy that's... Harmon talked about it in his article. He said he doesn't really have much value in the league right now. Yeah. I don't, I don't teams think, don't think that they could win with him. I don't think so either. Like I think he's a, I think he's a very good third line... Sorry, third pairing defenseman. But that's what yeah. he is. I think that Canucks fans have a tendency to over... Hype their guys. He's a really good third. But he's, he's a very good third. He's a very good third pairing defenseman. But I think that's what he is at best. He's a top four defenseman on a bad team. On a bad team. Yeah, yeah that's on a, on pretty much what he was for us for a few years. Yeah, and you know, on yeah. an average team, on an average to good team, he's yeah, a, he's, he's, a, a, yeah. he's the number th- uh, top third. He's a really good third pair defenseman. Number though. five or six defenseman. Him and Jordy Ben is a really third good third pair. Great third pair. Yeah, they're so one that they're the only pair that's actually a plus. Me and Ryan were looking at it earlier. So what can you what can you get for? Troy Stetcher. Like, if, if Goodbranson fetches you Tanner Pearson, you probably get a similar type player, but maybe that's in a better situation because you got Tanner Pearson at his absolute lowest value. Tyson Berry. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tyson well, Berry. has been pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, Tyson Berry. According, I, you, well, you're actually not wrong about that. Like, I think yeah. the Leafs are interested in a guy like Stetcher. Yeah. They are going to move off Tyson Berry this yeah. season, but when is it, right? It's not this season. I think, I think they'll move wait. off. I think they move off from this season. Really? I think the, the Tyson Berry experiment in Toronto has been absolutely terrible. Um, he's doing so bad. And, you know, this is a player that more than probably a Stanley Cup, he wants to try and earn a contract and earn m- big money next year. And so if he has the chance to do that somewhere else, he might want to ask for a trade and get out. If he has a bad year and he stays in Toronto all year, right, and, and he has like a 20-point season, that money 
goes significantly down. It and went from eight million to what six million? Yeah, a two million dollar drop. Yeah. So and all of a sudden you get them at a price that's good for the comparable Canucks. to Ty, uh, Tyler Myers and that's good for the Canucks. Yeah. But I don't know. Is that a risk though? Is that a risk you willing? Are you willing to pay another guy six million dollars coming off the worst season of his career? Are you willing to do that? I don't know if you are because more importantly because of the term. Are you willing yeah. to give him five, six, seven years? Maybe give him six million for like two years and see if he would accept that. I don't think he would. No. Because the whole reason, my whole reasoning he why I think pay. he would want to get traded is because he wants to get earn a big trade, yeah. earn a big contract. Mm-hmm. He's still going to earn north of six million dollars yeah. regardless of what kind of season he has. Really? Yeah, I mean, even if he gets you're 20, only as good as your last season, man. That's how the league is. And no, with the way, I don't agree with that. With the 2016, with the way the 2016 UFA class went, GMs are so hesitant to give out big contracts. This on, is a right-handed unless shot they're defenseman. Jim Benning, because Jim Benning gives out contracts to guys like you know, which I don't mind giving out a contract to Tyler Myers, but like he does give out long-term contracts. This is a right, right? right-hand shot defenseman that's um, scored 50, 60 points. Yeah. consistently in his career and one bad season is going to stop you from signing him if you're a, not if necessarily for the Canucks but if you're any team that's looking to re-sign or sign Tyson Berry but you're going to get once worth giving up the money though that's what teams are going to be like they're like but they were going to give up the money regardless now you're getting him six two million dollars cheaper a, potentially a team that does give that risk on Tyson Berry will be a team that has a lot of cap space and not all, you need caps obviously but you, they need to they may have to make sure they have a lot of cap space and they don't have like a team like Detroit I think a team like Detroit would, would actually pay Tyson Berry a lot of money. Yeah, and, and they've done that before with yeah. the defensemen. So I think a team like them would definitely give Tyson Berry money. And, and yeah, I, I just think that I would love to get Tyson Berry the 60-point defenseman here because he's worth it. But is he really that player anymore? Because what's going on in Toronto? And also, are the Canucks better off without Tyson Berry? Considering what we see from our defense core. I love the way Quinn Hughes plays and... And people like overvalue the guys that put up a lot of points. Yes. And devalue the guys that don't put up points the on biggest, the back end. The biggest story <laughs> right now, from what I've seen, is Tyler Myers has zero goals. Yeah. And that's concerning, yeah, because he's traditionally the offensive guy. Yeah. But he is playing some of the best hockey in his career right now without putting up any goals. Yeah. Or without putting Obviously up points. Obviously, you want more points from him thing, because but, that's why we signed him. But he's also not playing any power play time. Yeah, he hasn't been playing the power play. And. He has been better defensively than most people thought, and people that say that he yes. hasn't are just have a narrative like Nam. But I, <laughs> I agree with you. I, I think that people are uh, yeah. really quick on. I think people don't like the contract, and then they're quick. Wait, look to say at Toronto. That. They have all these guys that put put up points, and even on the back end, Morgan Riley, and, I, I, and Tyson Berry, and uh, Travis Dermott. Right, those guys are great at possessing the puck, moving the. They're like Quinn Hughes, where they could skate the puck a lot. They make plays offensively, hold on to the puck, and they're great in that sense. And that those guys are valuable, but people forget the guys that are really sound in the defensive zone, like a Chris Tanev or yeah, I like think you know, those guys are super valuable too because like Alex Edler and all those guys is because they help you not get scored on. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a and fan of the Toronto Toronto model. Model, exactly. Building. You can't be doing I don't that like, And I'm not a big fan of, I'm not going to say I'm not a big fan of Kyle Dubas. I think that he's made good trades, but just in terms of the way he builds his mm-hmm. team, his bottom six, his third line, I like the third line. Yeah. I think the third line is good. The Canucks fourth line is better than the Leafs fourth line. Yeah. And you need a little bit of grittiness. You need a little bit of And even their edge. offensive players don't play defense. No. They don't like, like, and that's been the pro- problem in Buffalo for years. Robin Leonard talked about it like I was in Buffalo that was three years of my team not playing defense in front of me like I'm used to it he said that legit 
Like you need, you just don't need buy-in from your defense to be better in their own end. You need buy-in from everyone, and that's the one thing the Canucks have done a really good job in. Even though they've allowed the third most goals this in November right now, they've been not as good defensively as they were in October. But again, I think that they are going in the right direction where they have these players buying in on the two-way game, two-way, you know, both sides of the puck, which is good. Again, I think that the Toronto Maple Leafs. They, it's great to have guys like Travis Dermott and Morgan Riley, and those guys are incredibly talented. But you need guys, you need guys that could actually, you know, make you know make that win the battles along the boards in the defensive zone. You know. No, yeah, you're you're right. You do need you do need people to. And the defensive zone's important. The defensive so, zone is incredibly yeah, important. Yeah. It's incredibly important. And like that, for example, there was a the, the game against Dallas at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bo Horvat was stuck out there for I think a couple of shifts with the fourth shifts with the fourth line because of the fact that this team doesn't have Brandon Sutter and Jay Beagle, yeah. and that means he has to go out there for faceoff duty, and then he gets stuck out there. And now he's tired. What happens on the ensuing shift? is that it's a defensive zone shift. He's taking the face-off against Tyler Sagan. Mm-hmm. Sagan wins that face-off clean. Jordy, or Jamie Benn takes the shot off the crossbar, and it you know, it doesn't result in a goal, but it's a chance. Now, I'm not saying that that's Bo Horvath's fault or that's even a, a result of the fact that it's... Um, I'm, that's even a result of the fact that Bo Horvath was tired or anything, mm-hmm. but it's just the fact that they need defensive players in their lineup. And a guy like Brandon Sutter, you might not necessarily agree with. He's a player that you need to try and uh, you need to try and emulate his style no matter how you how you bring that in, whether that's Adam Gaudet, you know, becoming a better defensive player, or yeah. whether that's Jay Beagle having a bigger role when it comes to defensive faceoffs in your own zone, right? You need that kind of defensive player and they're so undervalued. You need guys like and, and people don't like Jay Beagle's money. And but I that's what I was going to say. Like, here's here's my rebuttal to that. You either have Jay Beagle now or you don't. Yeah. And if it's a three times $4 million deal, which is what we gave him, then okay. Otherwise, like, you just don't have him. Your penalty kill isn't as good as what it is. Your defensive, your, your center ice depth isn't as good as what it is. Your uh, Bo Horvat is playing a lot more than what he is. It's it's just not a good situation all around. And yeah, Toronto's had success and they've made the playoffs and they've been good. But guess what? They had guys like Ron Hainsey who actually played defense in their own end. Guys like Tyler Bozak when they were uh, making the playoffs back in the day too. And last year, uh, if I'm not mistaken, who was their third? They had Nazem Kadri as, as, exactly. as their third line center. And that's why they had some guys that actually played defense. And now you look at the roster, I, they have absolutely no one. Uh, like well, legit no one. I like Kerfoot. I think Kerfoot's great. I think the third line in general is really good. Yeah, it's not a bad third line. It's like it's the Canucks third line, the Canucks bottom six versus the Leafs bottom six. If you think about it, everybody's going to say the Leafs bottom Leafs six is better. Bottom six has a better but third the, line, Leafs, but the fourth line, I th- I'd give it to the Canucks too. But yeah, but the Leafs bottom, I think the Leafs bottom six, I think I think it's sexy because they have this like uh, illusion that they score a lot of goals and they're very offensively but minded. Yeah, but, but they don't play any defense. Yeah, but like, even 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 if yeah. the thing they need to try and their model right now is not working. Mm-hmm. They need more gritty players. They need players yeah. that are sticking up they for each other. They need more Josh Levos. <laughs> I was talking to Steve Dangle yeah. at the NHL draft, yeah. and Dangle told me that he would love Josh Levo yeah. on the Toronto Maple Leafs right now. Yeah. Those are the kind of players that they want because at the end of the day, Josh Levo, uh, Adam Gaudet, Louis Erickson, I'll say it. Mm. Um, Tyler Mott, Tim Schaller, all of these fourth-line players, Jay Beagle for the Vancouver Canucks, what they do is they might not score a lot, obviously. They might not even get a lot of shots on goal. But what they do is 
when the puck is in the offensive zone, their possession numbers are good. Yeah. They keep them pinned in the offensive zone yeah. or in the team's defensive and zone. And they know how to cover in the D zone too. Yeah. Those guys. And and they grind the team out. They make them tired. And f- as we know, shifts mm-hmm. are only 30, 40, 50 seconds long. Mm-hmm. If you're going to grind the team out in their offensive, in their defensive zone for 20, 25 seconds, they're not going to have a whole bunch of time in your own zone. Yeah. And the Canucks' most successful season in our organization was in 2011. And we had a guy like Manny Malhotra playing those tough minutes and playing that defensive center role. And they, you know? one of the biggest things that they were missing that entire year was a fourth line center. Yeah. And that's why they went out and acquired yeah, Max, Max Lapierre. Lapierre. Exactly. Yeah. And it's. it's it's, 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 it's very underrated, man. It's, it's not all about your skilled guys getting points. You need your skilled guys to get points, but it's about playing as a team and having a role. There's no and doubt. That's that the one thing Travis Green has done a pretty good job at uh, giving people their role. There's no know? doubt that the NHL is trending towards a top nine, yeah. bottom three system mm-hmm. instead of a top six, bottom six. Yeah. That being said, though, those top nine players still differentiate yeah. from your top six players. Mm-hmm. I think your top six players are still based mostly on scoring your top nine players now need to score but they still have to have an element of grittiness and edge to them it's just what it is it's line one line two line three line four line one has to be better than line two line two has to be better than line three and line three has to be better than line four it's just simple right like that's how you gotta play and the line three has to be able to give you more production than line four it's just you know yeah that's how it is and and you're like the question is for your two fourth lines (laughs) yeah and for your fourth line for them to be successful is that they need to do their job yeah who would you rather have tim schaller or josh levo obviously josh levo right yeah, yeah, Josh Levo you would rather have. Yeah. But the thing is, Tim Schaller does such a great job playing his role. Yeah. But that's not me saying that Tim Schaller is a better yeah. player than Josh Levo, mm-hmm. but Tim Schaller is probably a better fourth-line player yeah, than, than Josh, Josh Levo. Levo. Yeah, exactly. You're not going to re-sign Tim Schaller to replace Josh Levo. Yeah. But if you could, or if, you know, just in a situation where, like, pretend we're not talking about money or anything like that, just in terms of the type of players that you might want to have on those roles, you would like to have both of those players back. Yeah. But based on contracts and mm-hmm. how this team is looking going forward you're not going to resign both of them yeah exactly most likely yeah i think tim shaw's last year here probably i think so too and tim shaw's played good yeah and yeah. i don't think he's gonna be in that fourth line role forever once furlan and Russell are back in i think he will be the guy that's sitting or him or mott will be the guys that will be healthy scratches yeah, yeah you know? and it depends on who they like yeah. more i think tim shaw has been what tim shaw has impressed me where he's impressed me the most is his skating yeah i think last year wrong way better i think last year he was the worst player in the canucks yeah i think by a mile mm-hmm. like he was his, ter- his skating was terrible he looked yeah. like a brendan gaunts yeah. and why would we why would we have acquired tim Schaller if we had already had brendan gaunts exactly yeah. and brendan gaunts i think is in boston now so it's kind of like a trade he's in the hl yeah, right so, so bad for the game, why like so but this year he's taken a step forward he's shown that he's an nhl player and after this contract with the canucks he is going to get a deal somewhere mm-hmm, else. For sure. Um, this road trip coming up, six gamer. What are your expectations? Five hundred, man. I know I, was, I said four and two last week, and that was a tough one for sure. I I think that you know if you want to stay keep your head above water, you got to go five hundred. You can't go worse than five hundred. Like, like I don't know if they can do it though. Like I honestly think that. You know, I think they're going to win against Dallas because I, we owe Dallas the game here. I thought we were better than Dallas, but they scored off our mistakes all, uh, all that I, game. I thought Dallas was better in that game. Really? Because they know scored what? all their goals in the rush, and we had the puck most of the night. I think we had the puck most of the night, yeah. but what it was is it was we're around the We're making mistakes per- too, though. But it was around the perimeter. 
Yeah. Anytime we tried to get into their zone, yeah. they shut down the middle of the ice, and we had to try to dump it around, get possession, get yeah. shots on from the outside, try to get point shots, point shots from the half boards, try to get rebounds. Yeah. The Canucks missed a lot of rebounds, and they probably could have buried a couple that could mm-hmm. have been a different game. But at the end of the day, the Canucks had more... I don't know if they had more shots or not, but Dallas had a lot more high-danger scoring opportunities. Mm-hmm. Well, it starts in Dallas. I think they owe them a game. I think they need to win, especially because Dallas is like, we're tied in points right now. So if you're going to make the playoffs, these are the type of games you need to win, right? Yeah. And then... Uh, so it's it's uh, Dallas, Nashville, yeah. uh, Washington, Philadelphia. We'll probably lose against Nashville after we beat them at home. I just think it's going to be a split a split kind of you know we lose we lose lose to Dallas we win it we win against Dallas we uh we beat Nashville we lose to Nashville we beat Philly we probably lose to Philly there's Washington in there as well I think we're gonna beat Washington just because we 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 fucking blew a five one lead there uh, and Pittsburgh I think we'll beat we're actually usually good against Pittsburgh we are usually good so against that's why I think we'll beat Pittsburgh this and time and then there's two back to backs um. They're home and home games. They're yeah, not back-to-back know, against games. Edmonton, right? Against They're Edmonton. probably going to split in between there. And those are big games. Yeah, those are Pacific Division. Again, the Canucks Edmonton's could, been playing well. Canucks could easily lose against Dallas and lose against Washington, and they could go zero six on this road trip because yeah. all these teams are good. Like, you know, I think they'll get obviously get a win on the road trip. Yeah, I don't course. think they're that bad, but I think that does has has November impacted your your preseason predictions for no. where the Canucks are supposed to be? No. Because they're still in a playoff spot and teams below them like Calgary. By the way, they're trash. They are. They're showing it, right? Um, uh, and then teams like... Uh, well, San Jose is climbing up the ranks now. Um, Dallas has already gone their way back up. Yep. Um, Chicago's playing good. So there's a lot of teams in that you know, in that vicinity where they could... Anybody can make the playoffs right now, right? Like, it's pretty close... But again, I think this is going to come down to a very good uh, trade deadline season. Like I think there's going to be a lot of teams that are in the hunt to make the playoffs, and teams <sighs> might try and maybe not in the trade deadline, even a few months before, like maybe January, February. We might see some deals come down based on the fact that mm-hmm. teams are just trying to get over the top. I think the Canucks knows that this road trip is big, and they need to, you know, at least stay keep their head above water here. And the players know that, the coaching staff knows that, and I think that because our personnel is different and I think we have more talent and Jay Beagle, like a defensive center is going to be back and I'll put less pressure on Bo. I'm hoping that the team is, you know, is good because on this road trip, because again, we're finally getting to see Adam Gaudet play that third line center role that we wanted him to. And this road trip pretty much determines if he's going to stay here. Um, uh, yeah, long term as well. I think he'll stay. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I just think that this team needs to send the league a message and this is the time to do it. This road trip is the time to send your you know your haters a message. And I believe in Pedersen. I, I I love the way Bester has been playing like low key he's been our best forward in my opinion. Um I would agree, yeah. And uh yeah, I just think th- you want to see more from Bo, but I think we will see mo- more from Bo-, Bo on this road trip. I think Bo Horvat will have a good road trip here. The problem with Bo is the fact that this team Obviously, he doesn't have players to play with. We know that. Mm-hmm. But more than that, it has been, for in my opinion, the Jay Beagle and the Brandon Sutter's injuries. It's but even been, before that, he wasn't playing his best hockey. He wasn't playing his best yeah. hockey. Yeah. But th- that, I think, happens to be because of the fact that a lot of the time when he's... Like, defensively, I think we can agree he's not that good. He's uh, He should be better than he is, though. Like, like he I think cheats a, a lot. I think there's a reputation that he's a two-way player and he's a good 
two-way player. Cousin, Cousin Junior, he was a good two-way player, and that's different. And that's different. He's, yeah. I think he's got elements of it, but what he is is like he just doesn't necessarily show it. Like you said, he's he's out of the zone fairly early. Yeah. But I think a lot of that, like what I think it happens is because he's so – he's always been told that he's a better two-way player. He's always a better so defensive player. So now that. he's trying to – but he's trying to like – be better offensively mm-hmm. so he's starting to cheat a little bit more mm-hmm. he's starting to try and put the the wingers on his back and try to get the offensive goal because we've seen him do that last year and he picks up mm-hmm. 61 points yeah, historically though bo's been better later on in the season than the, the beginning he usually is a slow starter anyways yeah it takes him a while like last november obviously the whole team didn't have a good november and again bo bo was obviously a part of that too so i think that bo horvat by December will be the Bohor that we expect him to be. I hope so because I think that he is so valuable to this team. Yeah, he is and super valuable. He's the most important player on the team. I, well, I one of the most. Yeah, top top three. And but the thing is, he needs he needs to try to become a better defensive player. And I think with less stress, he'll mm-hmm. be a better offensive player as well. Um, the the um, the question that I have, like the biggest thing that they need to address, in my opinion, is getting that top six. Winger for both. But they don't need that right now, man. They could just wait till Pod Colson is ready. And That's they could just two years it. away. I don't know but if they could wait till Pod Colson is ready. They could be patient. They can make a patient approach here. If they make the playoffs, you're not in any hurry, man. Like, you don't need to trade any young assets to get a good top is, six is winger. Is Stetcher considered a young asset? I think I'd move uh, Stetcher, but if you're not going to get a top six winger for him. You're like, not getting a top six winger for st- necessarily for a Stetcher, but it would be probably part of a bigger package. Yeah. I am, I'm against trading any prospect, and I'm against trading a draft pick. But if it's like a Vertanen, Levo, uh, Sberci packaged in with a Stetcher, yeah. then see what you can get from maybe team. give a. I don't think you're like gonna get a guy like. I don't think you're gonna get a guy like Athanasi. You're not gonna yeah. get a guy like Zucker. You're not gonna yeah. get anybody like that. But what kind of a player? I think could a you Zucker get? is possible. I think a guy like Toffoli is possible. Again, you gotta, look, you, you gotta look at the bad teams, right? You gotta look at the bad but teams, the teams that are willing to sell, and I think a team like Minnesota, I think Zucker is a but they, would be look, a perfect winger for him. But look at the deals that they had. They had him for like, to Calgary for like a first round draft pick, Michael Froelich, and then I think another piece on Frolik's top of that. First off, a healthy scratch for Calgary. So, but that's the player that was going that that's the package that was yeah, going no, back to Minnesota. The, I think the package for Zucker would be more like Stetcher, um, maybe Vertanen, and like uh, maybe. Like a prospect like Lind or Wu or something like that. I don't know. I, you're gonna have to throw a prospect in there. A team that's selling, they want young assets. That's the whole idea behind it, right? But are you not selling them on Jake Vertanen and Troy Stetcher being young enough? Yeah, but then you those guys, like Stetcher's not that young anymore. Man, he's like 25, to almost 26 years old. That's true, but they're still young players. Uh, they're 20, but Jake's, like, like, Jake's Stro- young. Troy Stetcher's a player that's gonna get you. You're gonna get him at a fairly decent number. Yeah. And you're gonna get him. This is how this is how look. Canucks just aren't in a position to This is how Minnesota. This is what Minnesota says. If you're offering just Stetcher and Vertanen, they're gonna be like, first off, Stetcher's almost 26 years old. He's not a really, he's not a young player anymore. He's young, but he's not a young player anymore. Jake Vertanen, he's young, but there's too much risk there. Give us a prospect and call even. Again, they probably want a first round draft pick. Yeah, I think they want a first. We don't have a first round draft pick, so you can't do that. So that's why I just don't think a player like Zucker would even work. Yeah, and maybe to Foley, you get. You're probably gonna have to give less for him because he's not like he's not. I won't say, I'd say they're pretty similar, but Toffoli, I don't think he's worth then the first round draft pick. Then all we got to do is Jeff Carter. <laughs> well, you're hoping that Bo could be <laughs> Jeff Carter. Well, right? that 70s line, yeah. Yeah, but um, again, I don't I don't know. 
I, I've been always a big fan of Toffoli too. He had a low shooting percentage last year. I've been I was DMing Harmon about him recently about Toffoli, but it's, he says it depends what the ask is, and the, and the team like LA would be asking for future assets. And I, I get what you mean about like. Pod, wait for Pod Colson, wait for Hoglander, and, and wait for these prospects. Cole Lind, he's doing good in Utica. Wait for him to come and develop. But the thing is, the Canucks, they, are, they don't need to buy now. Like They're not going to give a first-round draft pick for these guys. But they need to address this winger issue that Bo Horvat doesn't have. Mm-hmm. And if they and don't do it now, they're going to try they and find, they need to find scoring. But they need to find scoring regardless. And the, If Ferland puts up 15-20, that's only one the guy. The thing is, the Ferland situation is tricky because... Yeah, he wasn't playing like a second line winger when he was playing, but you were starting to see it. Like yeah. you were starting to see it like slowly, right? You were starting to see him produce, and then he gets hurt. And so that's that's just bad luck. Like we never saw him enough with Bo Horvat to make him uh, to make to say that Ferland's not a good fit with Horvat. You know what I mean? Yeah, and he's been a streaky player. Yeah, in his exactly. career, anyways. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a situation like I get what you mean in terms of waiting, but at the same time, it's been a long time where Horvat hasn't had players to play with, mm-hmm. and more than just that, the biggest issue in my opinion of what this Canucks team has been this year has been the the lack of depth scoring, mm-hmm. and they're way 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 too power play reliant. Mm-hmm. You can't be that reliant on your power play if you want to have success, and even because you're not going to yeah, score on five your power on five play. goals have been you need, an issue. You need to score five on five, mm-hmm. and the the first line of J T Miller, Pedersen, and Besser that's great mm-hmm. you don't want to be splitting them up because the second or third line can't score mm-hmm. they need to find ways to get their own offense and i yeah. trust Bo because Bo has done it before yeah where he's put wingers on his back and he's gone and he's scored and i trust him to right do now that. he's not though right right now he's not doing that but he shouldn't even be in a situation where he has to always do that he needs to have some player driving wingers yeah, next to him. yeah exactly right and i don't like think Pedersen has besser and and uh, uh, miller miller and i don't think that's Furland's, not fair to Bo. and i don't think furlan's a play driving winger yeah that, i'm not saying he's not a good player I think he's still a 20, 20 goal scorer, but he just gets him in a different that play way. That play-driving winger is either, like I said, those two, like one of those two guys in uh, LA or Minnesota. Obviously, there's more guys in the league too. And they're just guys, but you're gonna be have to giving skill. you're gonna be have to giving up more for those guys while you could just wait for Pod Colson. And you and know, maybe you could away, get, man. maybe you could get him next year because the way that's going on in the KHL, you might have to like do what but, they, they did with Malkin in Pittsburgh. I don't even know if he's ready though. If he's if he's being uh, no he the thing dude, with him if he's being if he's not being used properly in the KHL you're telling me that he's gonna come no, over the, the NHL no the thing the KHL is different though you know guys like Ovechkin and Malkin weren't playing minutes in the KHL either but that's like it's because the they don't because they're just more cautious with young players they're more veteran reliant and stuff like that uh, when he got drafted there were a lot of people that said that he was NHL ready they're NHL ready body wise Vertanen yeah. was NHL ready though no body, he wasn't body wise no, he was injured he had a shoulder injury he was injury. coming off surgery he was NHL ready in terms of how big his body was and how terms uh, no. How big of a he they was? They said he was, dude. If you watch Pod Colson play, he drives play at an elite level in two minutes of play in the KHL. Like, not just it's it's incredible to make the way he passes the puck. He's a legit the perfect winger for Bo Horvat. He has underrated playmaking ability. Like I, he's setting up his teammates left, right, and center, and I his teammates are not smart enough to pick up on the pass, and they don't expect the pass to to get to them. And they they just can't finish. And like he's actually, I agree. Re- I think he's going to be a great next player. Next year he'll be NHL ready. I think he's going to be a fantastic player. I don't know if he's ready necessarily to come up next year. I think he is. If he I don't is, know if he'll be a play driver, but he's he is, ready. If he is, that's great. The thing with Bo is like, or for for a Bo winger, what's an ideal winger for him? Well, it's a guy that has speed. It's a guy that has skill. That's exactly what Pod Colson is. But it also sounds like Sven Berchi to me. 
No, but it man. can't be a Sven Berti. No, it can't be. People a Sven need to stop yeah. with the Sven Berti stuff. I know. I'm Please. on your side. I'm on your side. No. But that's what people think. People no, think that Sven Berti is that not, guy. He's not that. Dude, Sven. Okay, he's been pretty decent when he's been up here, but he's not that guy because you've given him that opportunity. He's not a. He's not a second line player. No. Like he's. I think he'd be pretty solid on the third line with Godet and Levo or Godet and Roussel. You know, like I think that'd be a yeah. pretty solid third line. So that's. But, but that's what I mean in terms of trading Stetcher. Yeah. You're. Is that a kind of guy that you're going to get from him? Trade-wise, you're like you're not getting You're probably a, just going to get another guy like Pearson, Roussel, or Vertano. You're going to get a guy that's similar. We already have too many bodies up here, man. Like, if Which is why it has yeah. to be a package. You've got, got to get rid of probably two you need guys a guy, up front. You need a guy, like you're saying, drives play. And the best thing to do is just wait for Pat Colson, man. That's the best thing to do. And it's too risky because a team... I agree with you. That's also, the best cap thing to do, issues are time. a problem too, right? Yes. So that's that's another thing you gotta look out for too, right? And Podcoles is one of those guys that will be making less, and it makes sense to have a play driver winger that makes less than. The other thing with with that situation million. is like, um, is um, like trying to get somebody under cost control, and that's what I like about mm-hmm. the JT Miller thing. Yeah, is that you get somebody who had yeah. a term on his contract, uh-huh. and they have cost control, and I think it's gonna be a similar situation with. Mm-hmm. A potential trade for Troy Stetcher or with anybody they acquire, mm-hmm. because you're not going to be looking to pay this guy next year. I don't think, unless you well, already have an inside source that this guy's going to be making less. Mm-hmm. Then that uh, the Montreal thing's interesting because I think that they yeah. do need forwards, yeah. and we have a lot of them, and they and do have playoff expectations. Yeah, they do. Well, they do because look at how bad Toronto's been, and Florida's been pretty good. Tampa Bay is going to start climbing the ranks, so you got to watch out for Tampa, right? Um, Boston's fucking. Uh, Always good, it seems like. So Boston is Boston yeah, is great, yeah. Yeah. So they need they they're probably like looking at let's make the playoffs and in Montreal playoffs are pretty important. Yeah. Right. And I, I it depends on which which kind of player that um they would want and who the Canucks would get. Their back. defense is pretty good. I think they need a left shot defenseman. They need a left shot defenseman, I think, yeah. Yeah, so that's interesting because we're not giving up a left shot defenseman. We're not no, like yeah. what are we giving up to Montreal? Probably a guy like Vertanen, Levo, Berchi. Or, yeah. Or one of those three guys. Sutter, or, potentially. I think it's one of those three guys. Yeah. So yeah. And, and what's the value that the Canucks are getting back? It's probably either a draft pick to save money in the cap. Yeah. Or it's a player that's also cheap. Um, or it's just a hockey trade with a guy that has a little bit of term left that is a cheap contract. Mm-hmm, for sure. But I don't necessarily know if, if that's anything that the... Um, the Canucks are, are necessarily looking at right now because mm-hmm. apparently they are chatting with teams yeah. to try and make trades. Yeah, well, Jimbo's always been active. so And Calgary wants to fucking move everyone, it looks like. so. Well, considering the fact that the Canucks have all these forwards. I and think, the goaltending, too. Yes. That's interesting, too. Well, that's Jim, an asset the Canucks have that they can move. The Canucks have had forwards, too many forwards for this entire year. Even in the offseason, they did. Um, I think we're going to see a trade somewhat soon. I don't think we have to wait till the deadline mm. to get a trade. Uh, this was the SCT Show Season 2, Episode 4. Roger Shergill, Tanvir Rana. Brought to you by TMT Auto, Gosi, Harjo Gurewal on the Langley Bypass. They will get everybody approved. Thank you so much for listening. And in the words of the great Nam, that's a wrap.